Thank you for tuning into this episode today. If you're new here, thanks for stopping by. And if you are returning, a million thank yous. Your support is appreciated. On this episode, I am teaming up with two of my friends, Chris and Jimmy. Together as a unit, we bring you the Audible Ecstasy podcast each and every week. They've been kind enough to drop what they are doing in order to answer and discuss questions concerning the song, West Nashville Grand Ballroom Gown. Thanks, guys, for doing this. But before we get into the conversation, let me whet your appetite with a little bit of the song. Here we go. Standing on the side of the highway for exit, a lady in tie-dye bag by her side. Not really looking like anything special Saw Tennessee tags and she waved for a Sat right Such a great song. And I'm about 99.9% sure this is my second favorite song by Jimmy. What's number one? I'm about 99.9% sure the song dropping next Wednesday at 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time is my magical number one unicorn of a song. Stay tuned for what it is. And now, here is our discussion. Enjoy. Guys, welcome. Thanks for doing this. Um, Are you ready to get started? We are. Thanks for having us, Anthony. Absolutely. Okay. Well, let's get into it. What we're going to do tonight is answer five questions about the song West Nashville Grand Ballroom Gown. And it's going to work like this. I'll ask the question... I'll answer the question, and then I'll pass it off to the guys to answer the question themselves. So, first question is, what do you think of the song West Nashville Grand Ballroom Gown? Is it a a favorite, an occasional listen, or one you only listen to when playing the album? And I answered this like this. It is a favorite of mine. It would be in a top ten if I ever made one. Um, It's actually probably number two right after... Woman going crazy on Caroline Street, which I think might be my number one. I hate to admit it, but it probably is. Um, and I always love this song from start to finish, and I never tire of it. So, Jimmy, what are your impressions of the song West Nashville Grand Ballroom Gown? It's um, the song reminds me of a, a, just a hint of sadness to it. It's about a. I think about the girl that struggles, uh, or she had struggled and ran away from the struggles. I think that this is more or less an an occasional listen or one that I would listen to when listening to the album. This is not a favorite of mine. Um, I listen to Jimmy for a more positive vibe or a more, you know, happier vibe, so to speak. Um, But no, dude, uh, it's an occasional listen. It's and it may lean to when I listen to living and dying. So uh, yeah, I think that's how I stand on that one. Okay. Chris, how do you stand? Uh, uh, As far as this is one that, that I would probably only listen to when playing the album. Uh, but let me clarify when I say that uh, most Jimmy Buffett songs, the, the way I like to listen to Jimmy Buffett is to listen to an album from beginning to end. Uh, so, you know, that I don't take that as a negative with me saying that. Uh, I feel like that's the way his, his music's meant to be listened to, playing an album from beginning to end. I'm not one that throws like a playlist together and shuffles it or anything when it comes to right. Buffett. I, I like to hear it the way it's meant to be heard. 
and, and I do love the song. I think it's a great song. So, but as far as that first question, yeah, I, I would only listen to it when playing the album, probably. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. Jimmy's good about putting them in order like that. His albums flow well together, so I agree. definitely, definitely. Um, okay, next question. What were your first impressions of this song? And my answer to that was, my younger brother somehow got me into this album. I think he got it from the library back in the day when they used to rent library rent from the library. I don't know if you guys remember that or not, but they used to rent oh, yeah. like VHS tapes and mm, records yeah. and all kinds of crazy stuff back then. And you know, he started playing me the songs and all that jazz. And then I heard this song, and then I heard that F bomb. Uh, that Jimmy dropped in the middle of that song, which I was, was totally startled me because I'd only really heard, you know, the big ones like Come Monday and Margaritaville and such. So to hear that guy drop an F-bomb, I was kind of like, okay, kind of interested now a little bit. <laughs> you know, maybe he's got a little more edge to him than I thought he had, you know. So I kind of checked him out and kind of flowed from there. So this song is really one of those, I've said it in my podcast already, a cornerstone song for me. You know, it was, it was right there at the bottom for me to really get me started. So, Chris... What is your answer to this question? Well, I think first impressions are that this shows kind of Jimmy from his roots, uh, which is country, really. I mean, he started out in it Nashville. Is. And, uh, you know, the, you hear this and you don't hear the beach sound that goes with what most people think of when they think of Jimmy Buffett. Uh, and then I, then I thought a little more about that question. And I realized this song was released in 1974, right as the Vietnam War was dying down. It's basically a song about him picking up a hippie girl that's like a hitchhiker. <laughs> and, yeah. and you know, uh, it is kind of sad hearing that, but as far as how parents and, and children kind of were strained relationships during that right. time, almost you can kind of see it today in today's political climate. But, but uh, I feel like uh, there's probably a whole lot of that that went on back then, a whole lot of of young kids protesting the war and a lot of parents just want them, wanting them to get beyond that and live their life and not, uh, you know, become professionals and what have you. And yes, it, you know, I, I almost think it has a bit of that to it as well. So uh, yeah. it's a deeper song than maybe you might first think when you listen to it. That's exactly why I started this podcast. So you hear songs like this by Jimmy right. and not, you know, just think of all the, five o'clock somewhere kind of songs you know he does have deeper songs with deeper meaning meanings so jimmy what are your uh, what are your thoughts well i'm gonna clarify that uh, when you made your little five o'clock when i think of buffett uh, i don't <laughs> even think past about 85 really with the exception of a couple of albums those two you're albums stand out, out. <laughs> huh you're missing out well, it's not that I'm missing out. I think there was a preference. I I, I appreciated that earlier stuff. I think the my first impression of this song, to go back to the question, it absolutely, um, uh, maybe twofold. I know that it didn't really strike me as a great song. However, right. I'd never heard him cussing a song before at that point, <laughs> I don't believe. Yeah. Um, and it really kind of got me off guard. And knowing a little bit about his history now that I didn't know then, I think maybe he might have been throwing a little bit of that aggression toward the actual country music scene that shunned him for years. So I feel like maybe that was his sad song to Nashville himself. It, part of this song is a self-telling of this tale. 
I uh, like Chris said, this is one that you know I won't skip it when it's playing the album. But if it was to come right. up on Spotify, I'd probably go to the next song, uh, just really? because I don't know that it's something that uh, you, you got to admit, man. Anything from gosh, pre what eighty seven, ninety, you're pretty much listening to it from start to finish, as yeah. a as a ritual, if you will. And that's yeah, and that's possibly. you know that's that's how it was introduced to me. And I can't remember which one of you two introduced him to me, but. I know it came from one of you guys, no doubt about it. And when, I, and when I started it, I got I dove headfirst into the seventies. So, well, but I mean, you know what? Yeah, man, are arguably his golden decade. So, well, it is. Yeah. And I uh, and I appreciate what he's done afterwards. The man's had a just a tremendous career, but <laughs> almost fifty years. Yeah, it's amazing, man. I just like I said, first impressions. I didn't really like the song. I didn't skip it, but hearing it and thinking about possible meanings that I've grown older. Because at 21, 20, 19 years old, right. I wanted to drink beer, dude, and listen to this guy <laughs> talk about partying. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I, I, I felt I like it. it's kind of what it was, but as I matured, I'm kind of getting the vibe that he had in these songs because I really do think this song was maybe a little bit of a smack toward Nashville from him because he was be. starting to find success. Yeah. You're stealing my thunder, Jimmy. I had that in my f- closing thoughts I was going to say. So. <laughs> oh, dude, my bad. My bad. But anyway, <laughs> so, yeah, that's just that's my opinion, brother. Yeah, he had a hard time in Nashville when he finally gave up. Went to the beach, uh, thankfully. <laughs> yeah, right. So, six times this song has been played in concert. Is this enough, or should it be played more? Should it be a concert regular? And I don't think it's enough, and I think it should be played more, but it shouldn't be a regular on tour, <clears throat> as much as that pains me to say. Um, it just wouldn't work for his concert, his crowd. You know, the, the legions that he's built these days, it wouldn't work at all. Um, there are just a few people who would probably get into it like me. So it, it really wouldn't work in concert. I don't think very much. So what do you think on that, Jimmy? Anthony, I, I partially agree with your statement. Um, I think the song at six times, yeah, it's definitely not enough. I kind of would expect him to play that one a whole lot more in the seventies. Uh, uh, but you know what? I think maybe he should break it out once in a blue moon, you know, not necessarily, um, a regular tune, I think maybe once a tour, perhaps, and make it very special. Of course, this song may not have the same meaning it did to him, you know, 46 years ago or whatever. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. I don't know if I'd want to, if, if I'm at a Buffett show, I don't know if I want to hear the the sadder ones, the slower ones, besides maybe right. the Come Monday, because that's the crowd pleaser. We all know it, but... I, you know, I don't know, man. It, it, this would be the, <laughs> I hate to say this with the younger generation, this would be the bathroom break song. Probably would be. But he's made amends with Nashville since then, so maybe oh, he's yeah. a, he probably wouldn't play it now out of that reason. So, Chris, next, what do you what do you think? Well, I don't think six times is enough. This is a too good a song to have only been played six times. Uh, I don't think it should be a regular either. I think maybe two or three times a year, or a tour, he should maybe play. You know, there's a lot of times when he pads in space for, for uh, like a you know to improvise whatever he wants to. Like that an night. acoustic thing, right? Yeah. And, and if he could maybe play it two or three times a tour, that might be good. Uh, but you're you're right, Anthony. I don't think the the gen general population <laughs> would would appreciate this song as much as, as yeah. the diehards do. All right, next question: if Introducing Buffett to someone. Would this be a good song to play for them? If so, why? And I think it would eventually, 
but I think he would have to mix it in with heavy favorites and kind of just sporadically, you know, let let people hear the beach songs, hear the ballads, hear the country songs, hear the uh, rap songs he has. If y'all have never heard of Otour du Rocher, check that one out. <laughs> that is a funky Jimmy Buffett song. It's gonna be I'm no Russian. You wouldn't know those kinds of songs. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, what do you think, Jimmy? All right. So, you know, Anthony, I would say that I partially agree with your answer. Um, my opinion is it depends on what the person's musical preferences are. If this person is country driven or folk driven, I would absolutely start them down at that end of the spectrum and not necessarily focus on the favorites from the 70s. Maybe introduce, and my point would be, I would introduce an album at a time from those from that era. Yeah, um, that's pretty good. Now, idea. if it was somebody who was more into a poppy type listen, you'd want to get to the more, yeah, you know, the changes in latitude album, you know, the, the fan favorite stuff that that typically you'll hear right. show after show. But yeah, man, I you know, it depends on the person I'm going to share with. For the most part, probably not. But if it's that folky country person, absolutely, I, I think they would dig it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I never thought about it that way. That'd be a good way to bring somebody in, whatever genre of music they like, kind of give them. Sure. Because Jimmy has so many ranges, you know, between pop to country to, to whatever. Chris, what, uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with you guys. I think for a complete novice, it may not be a good introduction to Jimmy Buffett. But I think if you're somebody who knows the, the greatest hits, uh, it's a good way to show his versatility and uh, show his countryside, show his kind of humble beginnings, if you will, and show everybody that's not all beach music. And while most people go to the shows to see the beach music, there's more to Jimmy than that. So I think it's good for for a, a, a starting out fan to, to understand that about Jimmy. Yeah, that's a good answer. I can I understand that too. Um, okay. Are you a paired head, an occasional fan, or do you just enjoy the hits? The last question, the big question for the night. And I think you guys know my answer. I'm not a parrot yeah. at all. I'm sorry, folks. I'm a lie. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm a parrot oh head so far in that I'm making my friends do this podcast tonight with me. So <laughs> um, I think it kind of answers your questions, my own question. But uh, what do you guys say, Jimmy? Are you a parrot head or not? <laughs> you know, I would say that I am not a true parrot head. But I would have said in the 90s, I think I would have fallen under that spell because yeah. I was going tour, tour, tour. Every time they came through the Carolinas, I was I was there once uh, once you guys introduced me. I mean, straight up, you guys know it. I was there. Y'all have seen him more than I have. But, you know, um, I was appreciative to see it for that four or five year span that I was able to go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, however, I am absolutely a I'm more than an occasional fan. I don't just enjoy the hits. Actually, I like the hits less than I do his his older catalog, if you will. And I know that some of the hits are in that catalog, but I am I'm kind of stuck in my ways. Yeah. Uh, you give me A one A. If I was to pick one Buffett album, I'd grab A one A. I can listen to it probably until the day I die. I love that album. Yeah, and I also, you know, I, honestly, I love Changes in Latitude almost the same way. And geez, I mean. So many of those '70s albums are great, man. Um, yeah. But no, I, I can't honestly say I'm a parrot head. I do appreciate it. Um, you know, the wildness is gone in my, you know, from my from my ways. Exactly. But, uh, um, yeah, I, I think I'm more an occasional fan, but I'm definitely not going to be at the level of somebody that's you know at shows every summer and any anymore anyway. Right. Yeah. I mean, A1A was sort of his. 
big line in the sand moment where he sort of started going the other direction once he got past A1A. A little less country, a little more beach vibe. Mm -hmm. Right, so, right. So I can understand that. So what do you say, Chris? Yeah, sadly, I don't consider myself a parrot head, uh, but I, I do think of myself as more than just a casual fan. Uh, I'm somebody who, who likes to pick a random out or random album out and do a deep dive with it and and listen the whole thing all the way through and sometimes that could be coconut telegraph or somewhere over china or something oh. rare you know so i don't really think a greatest hits fan falls under that category but no i'm not at every concert when every time it comes around and uh, in the past i have seen him a lot and i've enjoyed it uh, so I, I guess if I had to put myself on the spectrum, it'd be a little closer toward parrot head than than in the other <laughs> direction. But I'm somewhere you're in the middle, the, I guess. You're tilling toward uh, the parrot head side. Uh, maybe, yeah. All right. Well, that about wraps it up. Um, any final thoughts from you guys? Uh, yeah, I think Jimmy, like I said, stole my thunder there. I was going to point <laughs> out that I felt like this is Jimmy Buffett's middle finger to the city of Nashville. Uh, at least the country music industry. The very next album was A1A, and he was off to the beach and yep. really didn't look back after that. So, Yeah, that's very true. Well, so, I, I just wanted to say something, Anthony. I, first of all, thank you for inviting me, because as you know, I'm, sure. I'm absolutely, between the three of us, I'm <laughs> certainly the most likely to be metal, if you know what I'm saying. Exactly. But I do appreciate and still listen to Buffett to this day. It's just not as much as, as I did when right. I was in, my, you know, in the 90s, for sure. Right. Um, I love the deep dive stuff you're doing. I absolutely yeah. like getting reminded of the songs that I have forgotten. Right. And a lot of these I have because I don't, I don't really go back and, and seek out the tunes that aren't the famous ones. I go back and listen to the albums. Like Chris says, you know, yeah. whenever you, whenever I do something, when I travel somewhere, some people may grab that, uh, the greatest hits or whatever. I'm going to grab, I'm just going to grab a couple of albums that I right. love and I can listen to all the way through and, and appreciate for what the album was made for. Right. Uh, but yeah, man, this I, this is this has been great. I certainly have appreciated, it, and I certainly hope anyone listening has appreciated it because this is a it's just a great experience going back to songs that I really don't know like yeah. you do. You know what I mean? Yeah, I wish uh, I wish I could uh, play the whole song, but I'm kind of afraid to get dinged each week. I probably wouldn't, but I'm kind of afraid of it. All right, well, guys, like I said, I appreciate you doing this for me. Uh, it's a it's a lot of fun, and uh, you know I'm gonna wrap it up here. And, you know, since you guys had your final thoughts, I guess we'll just close it here and we'll talk again on the Audible Ecstasy blog. Sounds good. Thank you, Anthony. All right, yeah. Anthony. Thank you, buddy. Okay. Later, guys. I messed up a bit at the very end of the Q&A. I edited out a lot of stuff, mistakes, coughs, my ramblings, things like that. But I couldn't take out the part where I said Audible Ecstasy blog. That would have ruined the flow of the conversation. What I meant to say was Audible Ecstasy Podcast. I have been blogging for so long that my brain still automatically adds blog instead of podcast. I wanted to clear the air, so no confusion, and it helps my OCD. It would drive me nuts not to mention that mistake. Alright, that's it. Time to set sail. Fins up. <laughs>